second part of a two-week series, sub-series. The, the whole series is called Relationships. And because we're super creative and we wanted to do a series on relationships, we, we called it Relationships. And um, we spent a lot of time thinking about that title. And so we've been talking about what, what does it look like to have healthy relationships? We all want them. We want a healthy marriage. We want a healthy relationship with our kids. We want a healthy relationship with our neighbors. We don't want to hate our boss. We, we, don't want, we want a healthy relationship with those people that we manage. And, and so, so we want them. So what are the, some of the key ingredients to that? And we've talked about, uh, first week we talked about the idea that our insecurities really do get in the way a lot of times. That's the baggage we carry from relationship to relationship. And if you've been in a, two marriages or three marriages, or you're on your four, fourth marriage, there's a really good chance, I hate to tell you this, that you're a big part of the problem, okay? Because you're part of every single one of those relationships. And we bring those things with us. And so that's what we talked about the first week. The second week, we talked about forgiveness and how the lack of forgiveness is just an anchor and a driving wedge and is just a cancer within our relationships. And so how do we do that? And if you haven't listened to that one, I encourage you to listen online um, uh, to get caught up on that. And then last week... We talked about the idea of communication. That's what I was talking about, that this is a two-week part of communication. The first week, last week, we talked about the idea that we seek first to understand. And that particular phrase, if you've heard that before, you probably read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People because that's where that's from. But he didn't get it from there. He stole it from the prayer of St. Francis. Who stole it from James? And that's what we talked about Uh, the last time we were together. This idea of being quick to hear, it's found in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 29 of James. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen or quick to hear. And we talked a little bit about how the idea uh, in the New Testament and the idea of Jesus, when he said hear, he meant understand. Sometimes Jesus would tell a, 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 a surprising parable or a confusing parable, and he would end it with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, if you really want to understand this, you can, but you've got to pay attention. And so James, when James says that, he says, be uh, quick to listen. That's what he's talking about. As you're engaging with someone and they're talking, that is not our time to come up with what we're going to say, (laughs) right? So they're talking, and you're like, good, he's giving me time to think about what I'm going to bash him with, all right? It's to really understand, where is this person coming from? And, and And then it went on to say, and slow to speak. And we talked about that Greek word for slow means stupid. It, 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 you're stupid to speak. It's almost like you go, I don't, I don't know if I have anything good to anything to add right now. I'm just trying to understand what they're saying and then slow to anger. And it's that same word of just kind of having a, a, an idea that you're sitting going, okay, am I qualified to engage right now? Have I really understood all the facts? We talked about, imagine what that would do with relationship with our kids and our spouse. and To, to sit and to just be quiet and to go, do I understand why they're really asking that? Do I understand why, why they're upset right now? Do I understand my role and what's going on? And so that's what we talked about last week. We talked about the idea that when we're speaking, um, the Holy Spirit can't speak. 
And so oftentimes we will be talking, and really God wants to do a work, not only speaking to us, but speaking to the person we're talking to, but he can't because we're yakking. And so we talked about that um, last week. Now, what I talked about with James is that uh, James, the, the writer of the book of James is James, and when you read it, if you read it straight through, it is like he is so disjointed. Uh, he will, he'll, he'll talk about your, his, your speech in one chapter, and then two chapters later, and then sometimes he'll just insert a, a, a sentence. It, it's like he's compiling something, but then never proofread it and just send it out that way. And so when I talk about James, I like to edit it for him and uh, get the topics together, which is what I did in this particular case. We started with, with chapter 1, verse 19, which we, we have behind me. And then, um, and then uh, it goes on. Now, watch, watch what it says about this. This is really incredible. Now, you might be here at church, and you're, you're not even b- uh, believing the Bible, but you will look at that, this next verse, and go, totally. That is totally true. And, uh, and, and maybe, you know, you've been reading the Bible for a long time, and uh, you, you're going to really resonate with this. Here's what it says. It says, those who consider themselves religious... And yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues. Deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. You know what this means? This means you could, have, you could be a Christian for 20 years. You go to church every Sunday. You can listen to the Bible on CD on your way to work. You can, you can go do a be the church. You can do all this kind of stuff. But here's the reality. If you can't keep a rein on your tongue, your religion's a joke. And everybody knows it. It's almost like my tongue, my mouth, the, my ability to control is my spiritual thermometer. And so I might think I'm doing really well, but if I can't control my mouth, I... I, I my, my spirituality, my relationship with Jesus, there's something, it's an indicator, it's a symptom that there's something wrong. The Bible says this, out of the overflow of my heart, Jesus said this, or out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. And so what my mouth is speaking is an indicator of what's in my heart. And so James just basically says the same thing. He says, those who consider themselves religious... And yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Now that's in, that's in chapter 1. What we're going to do for the remainder of the morning is spend our time in chapter 3. Where James really goes into why controlling our speech is important. And, and what the, the dangers are. Uh, when Lisa and I were um, newly married, we had a neighbor across the street. I think I've told you this story before, but it's a really good story. So I'm going to tell again. We had a neighbor across the street who uh, had this giant American flag on his front yard, and um, he would sit out on his porch and drink. And, um, and then he had another flag, and I can't remember if it was a, like a POW flag or something, don't tread on me, or whatever the thing is. And in any event, one night, in the middle of the night, he came out in his front yard with his 12-gauge, and uh, he just started just firing rounds off in the air uh, and yelling something about so who, who knows. He was, he was drunk and he was just, just like firing rounds off. And I'm like, 
I, I'm frightened of guns, and so I dove down, pulled Lisa on top of me. I was like, you know, I was like trying to make sure nothing happened to, to me. Um, and, and so when things began to calm down, and I had my, you know, courage, when I got my courage back, a few days later, what I did, I got up out, out of the thing, and I looked out, and so he was out there, and um, I saw him run away, run down the street. And so we called the cops, and the cops showed up, and they surrounded the house. But I knew he wasn't in there, and so I, I was trying to get their attention without getting shot myself by the police. And so I was like, hello, you know, you know he's not in there, you know. So they came over and talked to me, and they went and go, found him, and I had to identify him, right? I think they call it rat him out, but I don't know <laughs> what it's like rat the perp out. Um, and so, so they shined a light in his face, and they said, is that him? And I'm like, well, put the shotgun in this. Yes, that was him. Uh, and so he w- went to, he, his trial came up, and I had to testify against him. And so, so I, I did all that, and he started writing us threatening notes and uh, yelling. When he got out of jail, he was yelling at us, uh, yelling at me from across the street and stuff. So I bought a, I bought a gun, right? Because he was threatening to kill me. And uh, what I didn't, what I didn't realize at the time was that I'm, I'm afraid of guns. And so I had this gun and I locked it up so many ways because I was so scared of it that even if he came into our house, it's like two and a half days later when I finally have it together, you know, and with the bullets in it, it's it's already too like a retinal scan. I'm trying, you know, trying to get all this stuff done because I'm so scared of the the gun. And and so uh, it it just, every time I saw it, I just thought it was going to go off. It was just this thing. And so, and then I, and then I was really smart. Uh, I thought, well, if I have a gun, I might as well learn how to use it. So I went to the shooting range and it just, and, and they're loud, and they shoot stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with them. And so I, I, I but, but just having it with me. And then just on a side note, one time coming back from the shooting range, um, uh, it was uh, the Rodney King uh, 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 verdict. And I was in Compton at In-N-Out. Uh, and so I, I thought, you know, and I was listening to the radio, and they're like, they're, they're, you know, people are being pulled out of their car. And I'm like, and so, but I didn't want to get the gun because I'm scared of guns. And then I, it, it occurred to me, it, at that point, it occurred to me, I'm not going to shoot anybody. Like, I, I can't shoot anybody. What is this? And so, anyway, I, we ended up getting rid of the gun. But I, it's just the whole thing. Every time it was in the house, I was always thinking about it. It's, it scared me. I, that, I was just scared. And this isn't an anti-gun or pro-gun thing. This was just, I, I saw it as just I was going to be that guy where there was an accident or there was something. It just, it just, I just had to get, I just had to get rid of it. That, that feeling, that sense of just every time you see it, you think it's loaded and the hammer's back and it's sitting on a table and there's children running all around. That, like that feeling, that's what James is talking about in, in, in James chapter three, when it comes to this particular topic. He is, and we'll see, he keeps hammering it over and over and over and over and over again. This topic, what we're going to be talking about, is danger, warning, watch out. 
It's loaded. Don't point it at anybody. Don't wave it around. Lock it up. Make sure every, all the safety's on. Go to a class. Do whatever you need to do. Keep the ammunition somewhere else. All the rules that whatever gun owners use, James is saying the same thing about our mouth. It is really, really dangerous. And so this is the second part of what we talked about last time. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And when you finally decide to open your mouth, watch out. Watch what he says. In James chapter 3, verse 2, he says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. <laughs> able to keep their whole body in check. The New American Standard has actually um, translates this Greek word a little better. It's, he's able to bridle himself. If you've ever ridden a horse, uh, you know, you've got the bit in the horse's mouth and then the bridle, you can, you can turn it. And here's what James is saying. If you can control your mouth, you got it. You got it. Now, this word perfect doesn't mean perfect like you and I would think perfect. It means uh, it's a, you, you've, you've reached the telos, the end. You've arrived spiritually. And I'll bookend that with what he said in chapter 1. If you can't control your tongue, your religion's worthless. Worthless. If you can, you've arrived. That is a pretty great example of how important our speech is and how important it is to control our tongue, to control uh, our, our speech. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. They've arrived. They're mature. They've, they're, 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 they've reached the end, able to keep their whole body in check. In other words, if you can do this, you can, you, you can show self-control in almost anything. He goes on, he talks about, um, you know, uh, horses will, like we talked about, have a bit in their mouths and you can control them. And even though they're strong and you can get on the most strongest horse, but if, you, if, if they've been trained with that bit, you can get them to go wherever you want and you can get them to speed up and slow down and all that. And then he talks about a ship, you know, a mighty ship. And if you look at like a cruise ship, I'm always amazed at how big they are. Some of them are like half mile long or whatever. And yet really the rudder is small compared to that ship. And, and even with that mighty cruise ship, that floating city, it just, it's just a rudder that, that keeps it in control. And those are the examples he uses. Then he goes on like this. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And he says this, consider what a great forest fire, great forest is set on fire by a small spark. I'll, I'll bet with our group, you could go back to a time in your life, maybe it was just on the way here, <laughs> where just a few little words lit that thing on fire. And, and then sometimes we don't even know. We're just like, what did I say? <laughs> I, what did I say? I didn't, you asked me a question and I said yes and that was that. Now you're like, because the kindling was so dry, of, the kindling of insecurity was so dry. And the, 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 maybe somebody's past made them sensitive to something and so we just speak a few little words and it's this forest fire. We've seen it on Facebook where someone types a little thing and then send and out it goes. 
This is how dangerous James is trying to tell us. This is how cautious we should be. Thinking about many locks and many ways to keep it out of touch and out of range to do any harm. He talks about this, this small spark. But then he goes even further as if we didn't get that enough, okay? That would have been good enough. He goes on, he says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. <laughs> so, everyone go like this. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, right? Listen, listen to what James is saying. This is so incredible. I, I think he really wants us. He goes, there's quite a bit of chapter 3 that really gets this. I think he wants us to know that every time we talk, we light a match. And we're walking around with it. As we speak, we light a match. And that match can be used to bring warmth and, and bring healing and cook food or whatever. Or it can be used to light something on fire. And once it's lit on fire, there's no turning back. How many times have we said, I didn't mean to say that. I shouldn't have said that. I should have just, it's just we light the match. And there it is. Now, Many of us are going to be speaking real soon. We're going to get in our cars after this, and we're going to be driving home. We have an opportunity while we're there to speak. We, uh, we get home, and we're talking, and we're around the dinner table. We have an opportunity to speak. Tomorrow, you might go to school, and you're going to, be, you're going to get into class, and you're going to be with your friends, and you're going to have an opportunity to speak. You'll be at your locker Getting putting your books there, and you're going to have your friends right next to you. You're going to have an opportunity to speak. Your teachers, you're, you're, you have an opportunity to speak all day to the kids. But also, when you get into the teacher's lounge, you're going to have an opportunity to speak. If we go to work tomorrow, and we get there a little early, and we're making our coffee, and everybody's in the kitchen or coffee room or break room or wherever it works out, and you're where you work, and you're going to have an opportunity to speak. And every time you do, you're lighting a match. Every time I open my mouth, it's funny, uh, just so you know, I'm not off the hook. Uh, before all of this in James chapter 1, it says, uh, essentially, you know what, it's probably a good idea not to be a teacher because you're going to be judged really harshly. Okay, now let's talk about the tongue, right? It's like, wait a minute. I, don't, I told you I didn't like James. I edited the whole thing. I took that verse out. No, um, but you have all these opportunities. You're going to be home, at home with your spouse t- today, tonight. You have an opportunity to light a match, to, to, to speak just fire. Now, it goes on. It's like as if that wasn't enough, that your very words can be set on fire by hell, which, which is relatively strong language, okay? It goes on. It says this. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So now your speech is poisonous fire when you speak or has the potential to be. This is how James wants us to view our words. It's a loaded gun right there, hammer back, safety off, sitting right there between you and the person you're talking to. And every time you open your mouth, you pick that thing up. And it's like, 
is it going to go off or not? Just this week uh, is kind of a fun last couple weeks. If you've been watching the Donald Sterling case or whatever situation, Donald Sterling is the uh, owner of the clip. Was, was the owner of the Clippers and uh, is no longer um, that and all this kind of stuff. But he lost like uh, a team. How do you lose? How do you lose a basketball team? Like how do you, how does that just happen in two weeks? You open your mouth. I mean, sure, you have to be a bigot, but uh, let's put, set that aside for, for right now, right? I mean, he, he just, he talked and he lit it on fire and that was it. There was no going back. And I can point all day to him. He's an idiot. But, but, the, but how many times, I mean, how many times have I opened my mouth and it lit something on fire? And I was like, no, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't, you know, I, drop, roll, you know, stop, drop, roll, whatever. It's just like, I didn't mean to. And you, out, out it goes. And don't you wish you could get that back? It's like putting toothpaste back in the tube. It, you can't. It just comes out, and there it is on the counter, and you, all you can do is just mitigate the damage. This is exactly what James wants us to see, that all of us, every single one of us, has a loaded gun, hammer back, safety off, with the potential to do far, sometimes far worse damage than killing. And so he says... It's a deadly poison. Now, he says something very interesting uh, that we'll spend the rest of our time on this morning. He says this, uh, all, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Now, listen to what he says. This is really fascinating. No human being can tame the tongue. And, and so you think, well, what was the point of the last few verses then? Weren't you just telling me to tame the tongue? Like, like how deadly it is and how poisonous it is and all this kind of stuff. I mean, shouldn't it be tamed? And what, what James is saying is you can't tame it, but you can cage it. You, you can't tame it. It's, you always have to look at it from the standpoint of danger. You can't tame it, but you can cage it. You can control it. And the way I look at this analogy is like that of a lion, Every, about every five years in the news, some lion tamer gets mauled by a lion. Uh, I don't know. If, I, don't, I just, it's not funny, but I just, I, I just am like, well, duh. Like, yeah, you, usually they get more and more comfortable with the lion. They go in the cage, they feed it, then they start doing tricks with it, and then they slip, and the lion's like, finally, you know, and, and gets them. Now, I, I will never be mauled by a lion, I'm pretty sure, because I stay on the outside of the cage. I don't go into the cage. This is the idea of we will never tame our tongue, but what if we were able to get boundaries around it so that it can do what it does naturally, but then no, there aren't any consequences or we mitigate the damages because it's cage. We can't tame it. We can't get to the point where we, we don't have to think about what we're saying anymore. This is what James is trying to get us to, to, to see. You, you'll never get to a point where you shouldn't really think about what you're saying. Let me show you the verse that we've talked about 
we, we go over this section of scripture every two years, by the way, at, at Living Spring, because just what I've seen in relationships and what I've seen and what I've, the mistakes I've made with my mouth, I just think this James chapter is one that we just keep visiting over and over again to remind us. And here's one of the verses that we've, we've actually memorized as a church. And if we can just, if you want your next tattoo would be, this would be a good one. Um, Psalm 141.3, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. There's a sense that the psalmist is going, post 24-hour armed security guards outside of my mouth. And before anything can pass, check its credentials. Find out why it's there. Find out, is it supposed to enter? Is it supposed to exit? Go down the list. Okay, what, what's your deal? What, you're not on the list, insecurity. <laughs> you're not allowed to go through the gate, Right? You're not on the list, anger. Sorry about that. You're going to have to, you, you can't do it. This is the idea. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We can't tame the tongue. It's full of deadly poison, restless evil. It's a fire. It's a loaded gun. It's all these kind of things. But we can put a cage around it. And let me show you what that cage looks like, what this guard that the psalmist is, looking at is, uh, is uh, talking about. Uh, because there's some good things that happen in our tongue. James continues, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. So that's a good thing. We should talk. We can encourage. We can bless. We can give thanks to people. We can, we can do all sorts of things. We can, we can praise our, our Lord. But with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. It shouldn't be. So uh, again, about the same time my neighbor was shooting off a shotgun, we were attending a church called Rolling Hills Covenant in Rolling Hills. Um, and uh, we had a pastor called Gordon Kirk, and he spoke on this very topic. And, uh, and it had a huge impact on Lisa and I, and, and so we just remembered a lot of the different principles about when not to talk or whatever. Again, I forgot them all, but Lisa does it still. Um, but he had this acronym, and just this week while I was studying for this, I found the acronym. And I was so happy. And then I, I was sad because I thought Gordon came up with it. But then I found out that he didn't really come up with it, that it came, was like this guy, Alan Redham, that came up with it like in 1935. And then I found out that like everybody knows this already. And when I was in small group, I was going through the acronym and they're all like, yeah, you've never heard this before. And I'm like, I did, but I forgot the acronym. Now my sermon's ruined. But here's the thing. This is a great way to set a guard over the door of your mouth, to keep wa uh, uh, over your mouth and to um, uh, keep guard over the door of your lips, to keep watch over them. This is a great little thing to think of. And I'll have a verse with each one of these, but it's, it's called think. So before a word can leave your mouth, you think. Okay? You're like, this isn't the Bible. This is you coming up with stuff. Uh, no, I'll have a verse for each one of these. It'll be really neat. I get paid to do this. Think, is it true? What I'm about to say, is it true? Now listen. What I mean by is it true is, is it true? Not that it's true you heard it, 
from a friend, that doesn't mean it's true. That means you believe it. Well, you can believe a lot of things that aren't true, okay? I thought Kobe was going to be back this year, but he's not. I mean, there's a lot of things you can believe that aren't true. You see what I'm saying? It is our responsibility, even though you've read it or you heard Tiffany talk about it, who talked to Susie, who you know talked to Beth, who was right there when it happened. It might not be true. That's the first thing. It is up to us. It is our responsibility that what we speak is true, not do we believe it or not, okay? Look at what the Bible says. Instead, of, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, uh, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So not only do we speak, is it true, but is it in love? Paul adds that other little thing. So is it true? It's about ready to come out. The guard says, excuse me, who are you? Oh, I'm, I should be on the list. You should be able to, I, I should be able to get out of here. No, no, you're not true. You're, you you got to check that out first. We want to see some credentials first. So you want, is, it, is it true? Here's the next thing. Is it helpful? Is it helpful? <laughs> Listen, there are many things that are true that are not helpful. There are many facts that we know about each other that should not be spoken because they're not helpful. And yet... When we talk, a lot of times we feel powerful because we have information, and that information may be true. But this is just another guard over our mouth. You know what? Right now, this is not helpful for me to talk about. Might be true, but it's not helpful. Proverbs says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Going back to that James chapter 1 verse where it said, um, the one who's able to control their tongue is, is perfect. They've reached the end. And you've, we've met people that are really close to that. And again, in our small group, we talked about somebody that somebody knew where when it came time to talk, if, if it wasn't helpful, they'd be quiet. Or if the conversation was going down a road that wasn't helpful, they'd change the subject. That's a wise person that brings healing. Is it inspiring? Um, Encouraging would be another good word to put there, but then it would say think, and that's not a word. Uh, but it's inspiring. Is it inspiring? Does it, does it bring life? Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Only what inspires them, encourages them, builds them up. That is one heck of a guard to have on your mouth, isn't it? Is this encouraging? Like, there goes like, you know, a man speaks like 20,000 words during a day and a woman speaks like 250,000 in a day. And um, like that would seriously number your, like bring your number down. If it's like, is this encouraging? Ah, I hate this. Anyway, it's a great guard um, that it may benefit those who listen. Is it necessary? Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. If any of you are chefs or cook with spices or whatever, uh, you can overload something. It can get too salty. It can get too uh, peppery. It can go, it, it's, it's what's helpful, what's necessary. Sometimes a little bit of salt is necessary. Sometimes a little bit of this or that is necessary. We don't just, well, 
Some of us have watched you eat. Some of you do do that. But, but that's not the, the idea here. It's an idea of, is, is what I'm about to say necessary? And then the last thing is, is it kind? Proverbs 12, 25 says this, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. As uh, the worship team comes back up, um, imagine what your relationships would be like if you could control your tongue. Imagine in my own life, if I look back, all the damage that wouldn't have been done if I could have just had a guard over my mouth. If I didn't have to get that last thing in, that last jab. If I didn't have to just go, well, I just had to speak my mind. And there it goes. Imagine what our relationships would be like if, if everything that came out of our mouth was true and helpful and inspiring, and necessary, and kind. That would have a huge impact on our relationships, especially the people who are closest to us. 